Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 179. Today's episode is all about the truth and myths of self-love. Right now, I could stay miserable, not grow, just to hold on to this friendship or relationship or job, or I could pick myself literally have my own back, choose self-love. This is a choice of where you're choosing. Whose back are you going to have? Yours, your highest self, what your soul's calling you to do. Or are you going to have the back of like, not yourself and just staying stuck, staying in the relationships that are job that's no longer serving you. That's where it's like, becomes a choice. Like I'm going to have my own back because I love myself. Turn up your frequency with mind love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hello, love. If you haven't subscribed yet, don't forget to hit that little button. Subscribing, sharing, and five-star reviews are the best way to give back if you find the show helpful. They help the show grow, which helps me get even better guests. Today, I want to read a review from Christy221 from Australia. She said, Melissa and this podcast has made such a positive influence on my life. Highly, highly recommend this podcast for all things life, health, emotional well-being, spirituality, the list goes on. Thank you so much, Melissa, for everything you do. Well, thank you, Christy. This review not only made my day, it also made me feel like a human again on a day where I happen to be covered in spit up and knee deep in poopy diapers. <laughs> so isn't it amazing how you can change someone's world in just a few minutes? Well, you did that to me. So now let's get to the good stuff. I want to ask you about your relationship with yourself. Actually, I want you to ask yourself, what's this relationship like? Is it healthy? What does your inner voice sound like? Is it kind? How well do you know yourself? And I mean that deep core part of you, not just what everyone else sees on the outside. I didn't always realize I had a problem with self-love, which is ironic because I started hating my body when I was 12. I was always comparing myself to other girls who I thought were prettier than me. I was jealous of how easy they seemed to be around the boys that I liked. At the same time, I liked my own personality. I knew I was witty. I could always make people laugh. People liked me. I was good at things. And I had also been told multiple times by multiple people that I was just too much. So I had a lot of mixed messages about myself, as I think we all almost impossible to go 20, 30, 40 years in this lifetime without developing beliefs about yourself. And then when that's combined with life hitting you hard, it's easy to fall into thinking things like, I'm not worth it. What I've come to learn is that true self-love is loving all aspects of yourself. That doesn't mean that you don't have a desire to improve, but it does mean that that desire is coming from a place of wholeness. So instead of wanting to shrink your body so that you're more attractive, you may want to work out because it's good for you and it gives you energy and it helps your body move optimally. Or instead of wanting to dress in a certain way because you want to fit in or you think it will impress people, you dress a certain way because it makes you feel beautiful and confident when you walk into a room. 
The problem is most of us have so much negative self-talk or destructive habits or beliefs that drive our behavior that getting to this place of deep self-love seems out of reach. For every positive affirmation, we hear our inner meanie arguing or resisting the seeds that we're trying to plant. So how do you get there? Well, that's what we're talking about today. And I'm so excited about our guest, my new friend slash old acquaintance, Sarah Pendrick. We've known each other for a few years, but this is the first time that we really got to deep dive with each other. And we've realized just how much we have in common. And I think that some of those commonalities are shared because they're shared with most people. So I think you're going to relate to a lot about what we say in this episode. Sarah Pendrick is the founder of Girl Talk Network, a multi-million dollar women empowerment and lifestyle brand, and the creator of Girl Talk Foundation, which is a 501c3 that gives back to the younger generations. She's a sought-after mentor, host, and creator of the women's empowerment and top self-development event, Girl Talk Festival. And if that's not quite badass enough, she's dedicated her life to supporting people in living bravely as their true selves. So three key things we will learn are the myths about self-love, how to make sure you're improving yourself from a place of love and not fear or comparison, and how to heal your past with imagery rescripting. And now let's welcome Sarah Pendrick to the show. Hi, I'm so excited. So what is your story and how did you come to a place of coaching and writing a book on self-love? Hmm. Okay, so... Let's see. I came from, I've always been an entrepreneur literally since I was five years old. I was like, most every little kid has their little lemonade stand and all the things, but I just always had this dream of being on stages and helping people. And I had like my whole audience of stuffed animals, of course. Then I went on to study psychology and I thought I was going to be a psychologist. And Right before I was finished with my master's and so much debt, like had been in school forever, I quit, picked up, moved to LA and got into the personal development industry, the influencer thing, um, started really studying like the science behind happiness and self-love and all the things. And I knew that I was always going to write a book. And I, I don't know if other people have said this, but you hear it sometimes, you'll feel called when you're ready to write a book. So this is something I'm super excited about. I love all things self-love. I know it's a viral hashtag, but I really love to dive into like the things that really matter and how cultivating self-love makes difference in every single part of your life. I resonate with that a lot. I, Looking back at my own story, I was writing a keynote speech and I was trying to really drill down what my message was. And I'm like, but I have so many messages. So many things helped me. <laughs> and after so many hours of digging into what the common threads were, it really came down to self-love. And that's what my downward spiral was, is when I didn't know how to love myself, didn't really understand what it was. Uh, I always thought I loved myself. If you asked me if I loved myself, I would have said, oh, yeah, sure. But the ways I was treating myself and my inner voice, nothing really reflected that. So what is self-love anyways for anyone that might be at that place that I was at that time? What is it? What is it not? What are some of the myths about it? Yeah. So some of the, like, like you said, it's like, we all think, but I do love myself, you know, like hashtag like bubble bath and all the things. And so literally just like you and probably so many people listening, I'm like, of course I love myself. I actually would get offended when people would be like, oh, you need more self-love. I'm like, no, I don't. I love myself. Like, how could you say that to me? 
But then I just went down to the journey of what does self-love really mean? And it's for me and other people could describe it differently, but I think it's literally like your actual relationships and your feelings for yourself. I'm like literally how you treat another person, how you think about yourself, how you spend time with yourself, the way that you truly genuinely feel inside. And the myths have been things like self-love is selfish, putting other people's needs before your own, that self-care has nothing to do with self-love. And I think one of the biggest things other than cultivating those feelings for yourself, which we can talk about, is caring for yourself. And I'm not talking about just like bubble baths and um, face masks, those things too, but the way that you care for yourself and like the boundaries that you put up, the way that you allow people to treat you, the, the words like you mentioned, like the words you actually say to yourself. There's so many myths out there. And I talk about four of them in the book, but so many people that are thinking, oh, but I do love myself. And yes, you do love yourself to an extent. You care about your well-being in terms of like, you don't want to get hurt. Um, you have fears. You are scared to put yourself out there. Things that you might be thinking that you're protecting yourself from, you might think that's self-love, but real actual self-love is where you're putting yourself above everyone else. And I think that's where people kind of like have this jarring reaction when I say that. Yeah, I know that when I started taking care of myself, putting boundaries in place, even things like eating healthier and treating my body different. What I found really interesting is that a lot of my friends that had known me before, you'd think they'd be like supportive, but instead I was met with resistance and sometimes even judgment. It was almost like I was like reflecting back to them the things they weren't doing or something like that. Why do you think that happens? Oh my gosh, I love that you said that. It happens because in society, we're just taught like so many different things. Like you say no, or if someone starts like you, if someone starts growing and changing and maybe like doing things they normally wouldn't do, people go into an instant fear because they're used to you being a certain way. So it's like this instant fear that comes up and like, no, no, no. But also at the same time, you're kind of like showing them what's possible. And they're kind of like in a way, not jealous, but there's something inside of their soul that's like, oh, I want to be like that, but they're not exactly sure how to do that. So they're, they're like uncomfortable, but at the same time, like not wanting you to change, but also resonating with what you're doing, if that makes sense, where it's like, oh, this is really like, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. I have a friend, she speaks her mind about everything. Like literally people have said that she's selfish. She's too direct, all of the things. And when you're someone that doesn't speak your truth and you're not direct, you're obviously struggling inside a little bit and you want to be those things. You just haven't given yourself enough love and permission to do that. So when you see someone else doing it, it's, it's like so triggering to you. So I actually love it when I see things that are triggering to me because I get to point back and I'm sure you do this too, especially on mind love podcast, but I get to reflect back to myself. Like, why is that triggering me so much? Is this something that I actually want to be doing in my life, you know? Yeah, that has been one of my biggest messages in 2020 is yeah. that <laughs> your triggers are your responsibility. We tend to think like, oh, tr I need a trigger warning. You didn't give me a trigger warning or I'll, or I'll that person triggered me. So they need to stop, you know, and I'm like, in all of the ways, triggers are your responsibility, whether it's mm -hmm. I mean, it's one thing if it's some safe space of like a support group and you want to put trigger warnings in place, but like, don't expect them on social media. Don't expect them in random conversations. Otherwise you're disempowering yourself to not be able to handle normal things in life. <laughs>
I know. The biggest thing for me is the shifts because I'm like, all right, I want to be on this. My trigger is my responsibility. And like at first I was trying that on. Now I'm like, yes, like I'm responsible for that. But a good way to start is just being like, all right, I'm going to pay attention to like what's having me feel uncomfortable or feel like this rise of like, you know, you could feel uncomfortable, fear, anger, annoyance and be like, why am I feeling like this? And that's one thing that I realized because I would get triggered with people that would be really direct And I used to be direct when I was younger until all of these like society, like ways of being. And I was told I was too much. I don't know if you came across this too. I was told like, that's too direct. That's too much. So I stopped being who I really was. And then therefore I would get triggered by other people because they were actually being who I really am, but I wasn't allowing myself to be. (laughs) That's so funny. You said that literally yesterday I said to my husband, it was such a silly thing, but one of his friend's wives I guess was like, oh yeah, I really want to hang out with them. I want to see Melissa. And she's a little bit more reserved than I am. And I was Mm -hmm. so excited about it because historically, and really from my childhood, I tend to be so outgoing (laughs) that I have this belief that shy people don't like me. (laughs) And I didn't really realize it until this moment. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this means a lot. It just, for some reason, I... I'm never sure if I'm too much for people that are quieter than me. And so even being aware of the things that either trigger you or like get you oddly excited (laughs) can can kind of help you see some of those self-beliefs. Yeah. And just like you said, like depending on where someone's at, like in their journey with this, you could be too much for them. But then what you get to do and when we're really cultivating our self-love is be like, that's okay if I'm too much from them because I'm going to pick me. Because if I go into it, and trust me, I st- I'm working on this all the time. We'll always be working on this. I'm like, I'm giving a part. I'm not having my own back when I try to like shine my light. Or if you were like dimming your like amazing personality to make them uncomfortable, we like tweet, we like kind of like melt away parts of ourselves. And then our inside, that's why I say like, think about the way that you treat other people or the relationships that are important to you. The relationship with yourself is so much more important because every time you say no to yourself, there's a little like essence inside of you. That's like, wow, like you didn't just have my back. Right. And it's like everyone in the world seems to be trying to conform to this Mm -hmm. one specific type of person, type of look. And who is that going to help? It's going to create like this boring, mundane world when uh, the people that stand out in my life are the people that have no problem letting their freak flag fly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it because there's another thing, like I would have been one of the people because I can be like introverted and extroverted. It just depends. It depends the energy. But I used to like, if I was feeling introverted, I would get triggered by people that were really outgoing because, hey, my extroverted part of me wanted to shine. My part of like who I am, like being out, being social wanted to shine. So when I started thinking of this and now I'm able to shift, I love hanging out with extroverted people. They remind, they're so fun. They like, they, you know, bring out this different energy. So instead of being triggered by it now, I'm like, yes, like I'm extroverted too. Like, let's hang out. Let's do this. Like, let me show all parts of myself. Right. And you're going to shine in different ways anyways. It goes back to that old saying of like, you know, lighting somebody else's candle doesn't dim your own flame or something like that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I know that's so true. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? 
And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to go back to what we were talking about, about being too much, probably because (laughs) it's kind of a big thread that's woven itself throughout my childhood and adulthood. Well, if I'm being honest with myself, there have been moments in my past where I realized that I was being too much as a way to hide who I really was, if that Mm -hmm. made sense. It was almost like I would be in like a place of pain and I would have to be the life of the party because I didn't want people to see that. And so where is the balance of deciding like this is my authentic self or this is a mask that I'm wearing? Mm, That's so good. So for me, it's more about like paying attention to signals in my body. Like, because just like you said, sometimes you're the life of the party and other times like it's okay not to be. Like you can feel in your body like, oh, hey, like I really need to give to myself. I need to, I get to have self-care. Like I don't want to show up and like overextend or maybe other people are expecting you to always be the life of the party. So for me, it's just having like that awareness as much as possible to really, you know, some people 
are like trying to run away from their emotions or run away from their feelings, I use them as guides. Like, so for now, like I'll know when I'm being too much or when I'm putting on a mask because I want like that group to like me or because it's just a habit. And so I kind of tune into like, oh, I'm really aware that I'm doing this. And how does that feel in my body? And your body will tell you. Yeah. What does it feel like for you when your body tells you? I think for me, what I was leaning into recently was I was kind of attached to the, like the outcome of something. We have all of our friends that, um, I'm on a trip with right now. We're kind of like, you know, dabbling with moving and we've been visiting certain places and kind of seeing where we're at and community is so important to me. So I'm like, so attached to all of us picking the same city. And I was like noticing my like, like desperation in a way where I'm like, I was like, attaching to all of us deciding to make the same decision and not being in my self-love and not even listening to like, what city do I actually want to be in? Do I even want to move? And I was noticing in my body that I just felt so unlike myself. And it felt like it felt really low and just not connected. And so it just didn't feel good. I was like, all right, there's something up here. So then when I got home, I just started journaling and asking myself like, what are you trying to tell me and giving myself some prompts? And then I just realized, Hey, you're attaching again onto like an outcome, what other people are doing, trying to go with the flow, you know, having it look a certain way. And you haven't even asked yourself, like, what do you really want? Where do you really want to be? And just by asking myself that I felt a clearance in my body. Cause it's just like in a friendship. This is how I explain it. Like when you're, or your relationship with your husband, like it's a two way relationship. It's not just one way. So if he was always asking or if he was always deciding like what he wanted to do and never asking you what you want, like that your relationship would suffer. Right. So it's the same with us when we don't actively like let our inside parts of us know like, Hey, you matter what you're feeling matters. We're going to feel the same exact way if we were in a relationship with another person that didn't do that. Right. And I know for myself for so many years, I assumed just because I am me that I automatically know everything that's going on inside of me. And a shift happened when I started to actually find the time to ask myself those direct questions. And it's so interesting. It's like, I didn't know that at all until I sat down and had like this weird inner dialogue with myself. And all of a sudden I allowed thoughts to arise because I think when we're just on autopilot and we're just making the decisions, we really stifle so many of those true feelings because they might not feel safe. We haven't given them space to express themselves and we're kind of afraid of what might come up in a way. Yeah. Because like you said, on autopilot, we're like making decisions in the moment and what we think we might want might be something like we're hanging out with a certain group and that's usually like the mask that we're wearing or, or it's something that we haven't even like checked back in with ourselves. So we're just giving old answers. So it's like so simple to be like, let me just ask myself this question because it's just unlocked so much like beauty and it cultivates, like I've done this for the last year, especially with writing beautifully brave. Like that's why I decided, like I said, how you have the call to write a book that's where I decided, like, I actually started cultivating using these practices and tools and really actually feeling the love. Like if anyone has ever been in love, how that feels, or if you look at your baby or you look at your dog and it just fills you up. And I actually have had those feelings for myself. And I'm like, okay, everyone gets to have these little shifts, tools, reminders, anyone can do it. And you could literally feel yourself being in love with yourself. 
Yeah. And I think we forget that we have these depths of our own consciousness. And so just because the thought is the loudest doesn't mean that it's the truest whatsoever. Usually it's beyond that. It's beyond the programming. It's beyond what's influencing us. When we get to that really deep inner core part of ourselves that we start to actually feel the truths. And sometimes they're glorious and other times they're kind of painful, but we Mm -hmm. have to be willing to kind of sit with both to understand where we're really coming from. Yeah, exactly. And that's like one of the other myths that I talk about in the book is that people also think like the self-love journeys for when you're going through a hard time, but it's always. And even when you are having like your best life, you're having your best year ever, your best month ever to do this, like internal work, you will be to the deepest parts of your soul and living the happiest that you could ever have imagined. Like you're just like upping that by 10. So That's what I used to like get so upset when people would say to me like years ago, like, oh, you need self-love. I'm like, no, my life's great. Like, I love myself. What are you talking about? But I didn't realize like there's better than great. There's deeper, like just like your relationship or your friendships, you can always deepen them. And that's what you can do with the relationship with yourself, too. That is so true. I find that when I feel like I'm on a high, like everything's going awesome, it also tends to be the times that I am hardest on myself for the little slip ups because I'm like, oh, I'm evolved now. This is the way that I am now. And then I'll have like a down day or something will happen that triggers me. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you should be past this. Like, nope. And I end up going back to old patterns and it might look a little bit different, but those are the times that I end up maybe hiding or shoving down my feelings and not letting myself feel them because I believe I'm on this new frequency and it's permanent, if that makes sense. No, you're literally, I'm like, if you could see me, I'm like snapping right now. It's totally like, oh, I'm, I'm more evolved than this. Like, come on. This is one of personal development 101. I so feel you on that. And for me, I'd be curious to know like what you do now when you catch yourself in that moment. Well, now I am pretty good at noticing any trigger. And so before it was like the triggers were just the deep, dark moments. And now I'm like, oh, I feel a little bit of a resistance to what you just said, or I feel a little bit of a resistance to this change. And so all of that, anything that just doesn't feel amazing in my body is my trigger to kind of just look within and say, hey, where is this coming from? Why does this bother me? And with a mindset, which is very important of not making sure that it's never about the other person. Like this is about me knowing that my triggers are my responsibility. Like if I'm expecting somebody else to change their behavior or an event to change or the weather to change, (laughs) then I'm doing it wrong. I'm giving my power to the wrong source. And so it's always about like, What can I let go of? What can I accept more deeply in order to move through this moment with a little bit more grace? I love that. Yeah. So for me, um, same, I'm just like, all right, like there's no, there's no should like right now today, you know, something's coming up and that trigger might be coming up because there's something that I need to be, I need to, you know, let be seen. It's like, I, I just, you'll see, like, I always compare like, the relationships that we have with other people so that when, when anyone's listening, they could start thinking of themselves, like as a relationship in a relationship with themselves, just like you said, you'll be like, Hey, like what's going on right now? Like, why is this coming up again? It's like, that's what you do when you're in a friendship, when you're in a romantic relationship, you ask questions like same with ourselves. We need to ask ourselves those questions, acknowledge our feelings. No one feels our feelings deeper than we do. 
And so then if we're feeling our feelings and then ignoring them, like imagine if you were doing that to a person that you're in a relationship with, how like detrimental that would be to the relationship. And we forget, oh, we're actually doing that to ourselves too. And when you do that, you push yourself away. That's when you don't have confidence because yourself can't trust yourself. Right. One of the myths that you talk about that I really loved and I hadn't really heard before put in the way that you put it is that you have to love yourself just as you are. And that's Mm -hmm. a myth. Why is this a myth? Because it does sound a bit controversial from the get-go. Yeah. So I know this is one of my favorite myths too, because if it's just like, you know, just, you know, accept yourself the way you are, just like love yourself. Like it's okay. It's like, yes, you get to accept yourself and you get to grow. You get to deepen your relationship with yourself. You get to literally what we're talking about on this entire conversation, like ask yourself questions, discover like, what are these triggers about? Because I sometimes think that there's an excuse where it's like, oh, whatever, just let love yourself the way you are and don't do anything about it. And therefore, when you don't do anything about it, when you don't like allow your mind to grow, do something about like, if um, I talk about this in the book, like it's just like a silly example, but if like you have dry skin or maybe you've gained 10 pounds, which I did during COVID, if I just sat and did nothing about it, how am I taking care of myself? How am I loving myself? I'm just like, oh, just put on like the bandaid, like, oh, just love yourself as you are okay, you get to have compassion for myself. Like, all right, we were stuck inside. I didn't get to do my normal routine. I gained 10 pounds. And what am I going to do about it? So how can we make sure that we're improving ourselves from a place of self-love and not from a place of fear or comparison or feeling unworthy? That's a great question. Spend time with yourself. Yeah. Because if you're doing things out of fear or like, oh, I just want to get better. I want to make more money or all the things like you do get to get better. You do get to make more money. You do have all the dreams and everything that you could possibly imagine, but you also need to do it from like a genuine, true place. So this is why the way that you treat other people, the things that all the energy that you pour into like your relationships with others or the energy that you pour into like the wishes of the relationship that you had with others, like give that to yourself first, find a genuine place, realize it really does make a difference. It truly makes a difference. The relationship that you have with yourself. That's why we see so many like famous people or influencers that have literally millions of people loving them, like validating their every move. They pick up a, they pick up a water bottle, they drink water and they're getting like cheered for it. Like (laughs) over and over, like you could take a step and you're like, yeah, you're the best ever. But they're just sitting there getting validation from everyone else, not having the time, whatever it is and not giving it to themselves. So Every single person could love you. You could be doing things because you're like, oh, this is going to make me more money or this is going to make blah, 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 blah. But if you're not doing it from a genuine place and actually truly loving yourself, you're never going to be able to like truly, truly live a life that you deserve to live. Right. And I think you can feel that vibration if you take that time to spend time with yourself. It's like, Mm -hmm. am I doing this? do I feel like there's some deadline that I need to make or before I can go out in public, I need to lose this or before I can take a photo of myself. Like there's a difference between feeling like I need to change to be accepted or I am changing and improving because this is what my soul wants. This is how I feel the best in my body. This is when I'm vibrating higher. I can show up as my best self, not necessarily based on other people's reactions or expectations of you or what you think is society thinks is beautiful or successful or whatever it is you're striving for. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like almost like morning routines or all these practices. It's like do this. So you have like the ultimate energy. So then you could, then you could go to do this. It's like do this to have an outcome, do that for this. And you just get to get back to like the genuine reason it's to fill yourself up, to feel that vibration. Like you said, cause when you're on a certain vibration, a certain frequency, you're going to attract so many amazing things in your life. It's like when you wake up in the morning and you're in a bad mood and then you encounter like things during the day that are on that vibration, like the lower energy of like being in a bad mood or, you know, you get a fender bender, like whatever it is. That's why it's so important to be on a high vibe in a genuine way, because then you're able to like come across like really amazing people that are on the same frequency as you. And you feel those vibes like pulsating and scientifically proven through your body. And I don't know about you or anyone that's listening, but like feeling a high vibration and literally feeling love for yourself and your body. There's no other feeling like that in the world. Yeah. There was one thing I learned during a transcendental meditation course that I took. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard. And sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. <laughs> and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. Yeah, there was one thing I learned during transcendental meditation course that I took. And it was interesting the way they described meditation and kind of getting from the surface level thoughts to those deeper thoughts and how our minds are constantly seeking to evolve and grow. But if we only stay on those surface level thoughts, it's going to be seeking all of that stuff from outside sources, which is why it's so important to find that stillness and to find that quiet time. Because when you allow your mind to quiet and you stop reaching for all those surface level thoughts, your mind will automatically start to go deeper and try to evolve from that place. Like, what are my values? What do I really desire in this world? When do I feel the best? And I've been practicing that. And it is pretty profound the way that that'll shift. And it's like, oh, I was just, uh, suddenly I'm no longer interested in the 12 items in my Amazon cart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now I want to go read a book. 
Yeah. And then when you are like, Hey, I'm going to grab these things that I'm excited about with Amazon. It's like just a simple thing. Not like, you know, like years ago when I was in college and I was just going through the, probably one of the toughest times in my life, like I would shop all the time and I would get those like instant hits of like, yes, I got this, or I saved up for this. And then it wouldn't last long. Like anyone can think of the, something that they've wanted so bad and you get it and it lasts for like a day, a week. So when we're talking about like right now with your meditation course and all of that, it's like, that's teaching us to get in our bodies and have actual real lasting happiness and not like the like hits of dopamine. So I want to talk about self-care and self-love. What is the relationship with the two? Because it goes back to that whole trending thing of now there's articles where it's like self-care is not self-love. When is self-care self-love and when is it not? Yeah. So self-care is self-love because it's caring for yourself. Like when you are giving a hug to someone, you're giving affection, you're giving love, you're igniting feelings. So when you're like putting body lotion on or anything like the deep meditation, meditation is self-care. It's like a machine. Like think of your body and your feelings and everything, the amazing creature that you are, like it needs care. So if you weren't doing self-care and you weren't taking care of yourself, how are you showing love to yourself? Like, how are you able to ignite those feelings if you're not doing those things? So for me, and that's why I talk about in the book and kind of like talk about like how to figure out also your like personal self-care assessment, because I also see so many people like grab yourself a glass of wine and get in the bath, self-care, hashtag self-care. And then all these people trying to go do this one self-care routine and they're like, oh, I don't really feel anything because we're all individual And the way that you're caring for yourself and what you consider self-care is literally like showing affection to yourself, which is igniting your self-love. So it's all connected. Yeah, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong way to do it. But one thing I do look at is, am I using this as another way to escape the feelings I'm supposed to be feeling? (laughs) Or am I am I doing this from a place that I'm going to raise my vibration? And, you know, sometimes those things are a little bit blurred because even then there's times that, you know, I am really low and I am not in a place mentally, or I don't think I am, or for some reason, I'm a little bit resistant to doing the inner work right then. And so doing something nice for myself that might seem like an escape for a moment is good even then because it raises my frequency as long as I know that I am going to come back to some of those feelings and allow them to pass through me and not just going self-care after self-care to avoid the things that really need to be looked at. Yeah, I love that you said that because it's just, it's being honest with yourself. Like we know, you know, you know if you're like, oh, I'm going to go do this. Oh, because it's self-care. Like you deep down know why you're doing something. And I think just like you said, the indicator is, what is your frequency going to be while you're doing and after you're doing that thing? And if you know it's going to be raised, then go do it. And then if there's things that you get to address after, go address them. But it's like, we always know the truth. We know if we're escaping something, especially if you're listening to amazing podcasts like this and just like reading books like Beautifully Brave, like there's so many things that are out there. Like just being like, Hey, I'm open to this awareness. I'm just going to start checking in with myself, checking in with my vibe, checking in with my feelings and my body and, you know, not selling out of myself. Like don't lie to yourself. 
Yeah, it's that checking in part, because if you're just throwing on all the layers of self-care that you saw on somebody's social media post, that's only going to get you so far. But if you're actually saying, well, what do I need right now? And maybe sometimes it is that massage and other times it's, you know, journaling your shadows. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Journaling is amazing. It's it's a form of, I think it's a form of self-care because it's like talking to yourself. It's like letting your thoughts get out on paper, like letting your thoughts get out of where they're coming from and just letting it flow. It's like a release. Like you're definitely taking care of yourself. It's like when you were like, you know, like with my husband, I'm like, all right, I just got to get, get this off my chest. It's like just getting things off your own chest for yourself. Where do you find that balance between, you know, what we need in the moment and then what our soul is really craving, like those longer lasting things through our lifetimes, finding our values, finding the core of, of who we are. How do those things kind of come together, uh, in your daily work when you're doing that inner work? So I like to do the check-ins just like we're saying, like sometimes you need one thing and other times you need another. I really love to and be open to doing the work like something that is only five minutes of my time may it be meditation or journaling or practicing like practicing because for me in particular my way that I didn't show up for myself was not speaking my truth because half my life I did and I always found myself in trouble for it so society my environment kind of taught me otherwise so now like a form of me speaking my truth and sticking to my values and sticking to my vision or a form of my self-care is speaking my truth. And so knowing my values has been crucial in all of this, because if you're doing like, even if you do, everyone's always like, all right, whatever, you know, do it two minutes a day. How is it really going to help you? Like find that thing and you can explore. It could be journaling. It could be meditation. It could be like, all right, this is something that shows up in my body. Like when I don't speak my truth, I fully get disconnected. I'm disappointed in myself. Like figure out one of those things and just choose one of those things to practice. And then you really get to like develop that real, like the real, really cultivated happiness that is everlasting rather than the things that you just like reach for really quick. For me, it's just been really realizing like, Hey, this sounds like two minutes a day, what could that really do for me? And those two minutes just to get to know yourself when you're starting out has built like everlasting self-love inside of me and inside of like all of my friends, the women that I work with. And it's just been so, so powerful. So then when things happen in your life, it doesn't take you down. And as far as like finding out values from anyone that's listening, they change too, right? Like people are like, oh, I don't want to write down my values because then like, what if I change my mind? Just think about things that you really love to do, love to experience what you feel in your soul and just pick four values and make sure that your life in the next 90 days, let's say, you're doing things that match up with what you wrote down. I love that. I find that I'm I'm great at the daily check-ins, but for a while I kept forgetting to kind of link them back to my values and and sometimes it would be harder to figure out what I really needed in the moment because I realized that a lot of times when I'm feeling this disconnect it's because one of my values is somehow being infringed upon. And mm-hmm. so I found that my top values are freedom, learning, growth, and connection. And I love that you said one one of your values is sisterhood. Mm -hmm. And 
I really resonated with that to the point that I was like, connection or is it sisterhood? Because as an only child, not having any sisters, it's like, I can see myself craving that. It's almost sad. Like I'll meet new friends or I'll, I'll get in, I'll move to a new city and get in a girl group and just be like, can, can we just be best friends? Like, are we best yeah. friends now? Like, <laughs> I just like, I have to like watch myself so I don't get too clingy. <laughs> I'm like, so, so you're just going to include me in your plans from now on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we're basically spending every day together, right? That's what, yeah. Cause about sisterhood is my value. So that's such a good example of where I kind of started. Um, how I mentioned on this trip where I was like, sisterhood's my value. And then all my friends are going to move away. And I started going into this like unhealthy part of myself and just chill for a second. Like sisterhood is my value. Yes but myself is number one. So come back to what you really want to do. Trust that you'll always have sisterhood and just make sure in every single part of your day or your week that I have sisterhood a part of my life. We don't have to live together. I don't have to live with all my girls. I mean, that'd be amazing, but just like checking (laughs) back in of how you have the value, the things on your list show up every day in your life. I mean, I'm just throwing this out there, but one of my biggest dreams is to have a bunch of land with a bunch of people with like-minded values where we grow our gardens and homeschool our kids together. So if you want in on that, I'll put you on the list. <laughs> Girl, I we were just talking about this the other night, how we all want to have like a plot of land together. So let's combine lists and make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things you talk about in your book is healing your past past through imagery rescripting. What is imagery rescripting? I always say like you, you know, find some, like find a therapist to work with or a coach that's really, really skilled at it. But this is something that I do without, I have a therapist and I have a coach, all the things, all the time. I love, same with you, my value growth. So I'm always going to be like doing the things and feeding my mind. But when you image rescripting is when you rescript something that's happened to you. So let's say that you had something happen to you in your life and you're replaying that story over and over again. And while you replay that story, you're igniting those same feelings in your body. So it's not going to feel good, right? So it's when you sit down and you give yourself what you needed in that moment where you actually visualize Like maybe things were headed for a wrong turn and someone comes in and sweeps you up and saves you or whatever that is. It's just that mind work and like getting back into your body for a new story. You really actually visualize and re-script what actually happened. And it's very, very powerful. It will, you will literally feel it in your body. Your mind can't tell the difference anymore of like what happened or what didn't happen. (laughs) Didn't happen. And I also even even do that for things that we're scared of now. Like if you're scared, I'll, I'll use this one for an example. I was ter- now I'm a public speaker. I mean, I'm not speaking on stages right now, but you know, like where there was events all the time and especially in our industry. And I used to sweat thinking about going on stage, like sweat, not be able to sleep. And therefore I would visualize eyes closed visualization myself going on stage how would feel my body how the crowd would feel the vibration that the room would feel and you do this and it just becomes settled in your body to where when you actually get on stage you'll feel that vibe and you'll literally create what you've been visualizing in the room right there and so it's really really powerful for things that you want to create it's really powerful um, it's really, really powerful and, and specifically for rescripting for past stories and trauma and things that have a hold on you in your life. So I 
know that we spend more time worrying about the worst case scenario than we do visualizing the best case. And so that's such a great practice because our minds naturally go to that negative. We've got a negativity bias because it's a protective mechanism. So you actually have to cultivate that that habit of sitting there and visualizing the best case scenario. But it's so interesting because when you start to do that, it feels amazing. And I did this actually with a past event. I have a really difficult time when friendships fall away. And mm-hmm. it's funny because the more I grow, the more it happens. And it's it's a natural thing. I think people come into our lives for a reason. And sometimes it's temporary and sometimes you grow out of them. But it's still I go through this mourning process. And so with one of these specific friendships, I was I did plant medicine one time. And it was interesting because this friendship had been a friendship that had lasted 10 years. And so when it fell away, I was mourning it, even though I knew deep down that it was for the best. And in this plant medicine experience, I had this visual of this person and intuitively I knew that it was like both of our highest selves coming together. And we had like this conversation where we just, it wasn't even really a conversation. It was an energy connection where we just both kind of looked at each other and laughed and like, It was like we were laughing at our humans and realizing like, hey, this bond will always be there. Like it was just this really healing moment. And ever since when something like that happens, I did it with a different friendship as well, where I sat in meditation and I visualized instead of the way it actually ended, I visualized like us parting ways, wishing each other well and like having the deep visual of each other, like walking apart from each other, waving with love on the beach. And I swear that changed the way I felt in my body about losing this friend. Oh my gosh. I just got chills when you were talking. I mean, it's true because you're both of your highest self, like know that for whatever reason here now in this human world, whatever, like you guys weren't going to be being friends anymore in the physical, but like your highest selves know, like we're still like homies, like we have a connection, but this is just what we're doing in this life. So that's so powerful. I've never done that with a friendship. You know what I do? And it's so funny. We have so much in common. We've never talked about like our sisterhood stuff. And I have, Wait, are we best friends sisters. now? Yeah, <laughs> Just <best> kidding. Friends. <laughs> um, but I have the same, I'm not an only child, but I have three brothers, but I do this too. Like I'll get scared to lose friends sometimes because of past experiences that I'll remind myself like, Hey, like girl, you have worked on yourself. The people around you, you have your vibe up. Like they have your back. They have your back and they also have your back because you have your back. So I'm just like constantly reminding the more that I have my own back, the more that I have sisterhood around me that's aligned, that's going to lift me up. And then if I ever start having a thought, you know, it's like trying to protect you like, hey, like this friendship might not work out. Remember what happened last time? Like I remind myself like why it's going to work out and I visualize just like all the amazing relationships and life experiences that we all, that my community and I get to have, because I think our present, well, I know our present thoughts create our future. So if I kept going back to what's happened to me in the past, I'm just going to keep recreating that. And I'm like, no, like that is enough. Like, I'm not going to let those thoughts control me. I'm going to take my power back, stand in my power, put cultivating myself love first and pay attention. Yes. Your thoughts come through your mind and that's not going to stop. But this visualization tool, if you choose to do it and choose to love yourself enough to do it, will literally be a game changer. Yeah. And and just remembering that 
sometimes things fall away because they're no longer an energy match. We're different <laughs> frequencies. And so looking at certain relationships or jobs or places that I'm living, sometimes there's this obvious disconnect. And if you just recognize that, it becomes so much easier to let go of, whether it's an old habit, whether it's an old friend, whether it's an old place, because it's like, oh, wow, I'm evolving into something new. I'm making space for something that's more aligned with who I'm becoming right now. And in that way, instead of mourning it, it becomes kind of exciting. Yeah. And it can feel really scary right before that too. Like that's ultimately where you make a decision depending on where you are in your inner work, like that's where you make a decision right now. I could stay miserable, not grow just to hold on to this friendship or relationship or job, or I could pick myself, literally have my own back choose self-love. This is a choice of where you're choosing. Whose back are you going to have yours, your highest self, what your soul's calling you to do? Or are you going to have the back of like, not yourself and just staying stuck, staying in the relationships that are a job that's no longer serving you. That's where it's like becomes a choice. Like I'm going to have my own back because I love myself. I love that. Well, thank you so much for everything that you've shared. Congratulations on this amazing book. There's so much gold in it. So for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and where to connect with you, where's the best place? Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. I'm excited for our plot of land together. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Yeah. I mean, this is a real thing that that would just be epic, but so beautifully brave, um, is where all books are sold. You can grab it on Amazon as well. And then you can follow me, um, at Sarah Pendrick on Instagram. I'm like a big Instagrammer. I love it. Or you can go to beautifullybrave.com. All the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 179. Your challenge for this week is to check your self-love. And we're going to start with a little inner talk self-audit. The way I like to do this is to just start to set the intention of taking note of how you're speaking to yourself. I'll give you an exercise that changed my life. It sounds simple, but if you stay committed to it, it's actually really, really powerful. So what I did is I carried a journal around for a couple of days and took notes of any limiting beliefs that popped up. And so for this scenario, we're going to take note of any negative self-talk that pops up and write it down. I remember when I started this exercise, I thought I had already known my limiting beliefs. And so the first day was really not very surprising. They were the things that I knew I had a hard time with, the way my body looked, my productivity, what I thought that I was capable of. But when I kept with this exercise, I started to uncover some more subconscious limiting beliefs that I didn't even know were there. This happens to me so often. When somebody gives me an exercise, I think I already know what the outcome's gonna be without actually doing the work. What that led to was years and years of no real changes being done while I was flooding my mind with a ton of knowledge, which ended up leading to even more comparison because I had been following all of these entrepreneurs on their journeys, seeing all these people launching new things, and I had yet to make any real progress. When I finally reached my breaking point, I was like, okay, I'm going to do all of the cheesy little exercises at the end of these chapters. I don't care how cheesy it seems. I don't care if I already think I know the outcome. I'm going to try it. And it led me to this exercise. And like I said, that's when real changes started to actually be made in my life. 
I launched my podcast a few months later. I started setting real long-term goals. I changed my financial situation. So I encourage you to try this exercise. If you don't want to carry around a journal, you can write it in your notes app or whatever you use to take notes on your phone. But for me, it was really helpful to have a physical journal, even though I was not carrying around any journals at that time. I wasn't even writing in a paper planner yet. I did not do any sort of journaling. So this was a big step for me, moving from electronic to paper. But it made a big difference because with my phone, I could always find a reason to get distracted. That was also where some of my biggest comparisons were coming from. So it felt kind of weird to be comparing on Instagram and then going to the notes app. And so instead I had to write it down. And I'm sure you've all heard that there's something magical about writing with your hand. I do find that that's true sometimes and other times the computer works really well for me. So you know you better than anyone else. And the important part is to just get it done. So whatever works for you. The final step is every time a negative belief comes up, rewrite it with something empowering. So for example, one of mine was I'm too ADD to finish anything or I'm too ADD to have any long-term goals. I rewrote that to I can accomplish anything I set my mind to. I just need to find something I'm passionate enough about. So write in a way that feels realistic and feels true to you. And then let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. If this topic resonated with you, I have a lot of episodes on self-love. Most episodes actually come back to that because self-love was just one of my biggest struggles. And like I said earlier in this episode, it sort of came as a surprise to me. And if you want even more Mind Love episodes, don't forget about Mind Love Premium. You can sign up right at mindlove.com slash premium. You get twice the episodes and monthly meditations plus other bonuses. So that's mindlove.com slash premium to sign up. And finally, leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or telling a friend, sharing this on social media are all really amazing ways to support the show if Mind Love has been helpful for you. And as a little added bonus, it totally makes my day when I see you guys share or see a new review pop up. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 